This is the podcast for RUF at App State. Everyone is welcome and no one is unexpected. For more information, visit us at appstate.ruf.org. Hey, welcome everybody. Uh, I'm really glad you're here. Um, whatever questions or assumptions or beliefs you're coming in with, everyone is welcome and no one is unexpected. And I'm excited uh, about, we've been moving into a new series for the second half of the semester on God's attributes, which is a somewhat dusty word to describe God's character and his nature, who God is. And my pitch for the series is that Knowing who God is truly and then loving him for who he truly is, is is really the most powerful force for shaping you into the person that you're meant to be and directing your life toward what is good. And so we're going to look at another one of these attributes of God by looking at a few sections from the Bible. So you can look up at the screen with me as we read those. Job 26, 14, behold, these are but the outskirts of his ways and how small a whisper do we hear of him, but the thunder of his power, who can understand? Psalm 145, 3, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. Romans 1, 19 through 20, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. Romans eleven thirty three through 36. Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Hebrews 1, 1 through 2. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, thank you uh, that I come uh, here tonight as a very weak and broken man. And I often um, think that I know what to say when often I don't. Um, so I pray that I would simply say your words after you so that we would know you as you have shown yourself to us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I think I, I act like I know more and talk like I know more than I actually do. Are you ever in a conversation where you start talking about something, a topic that you really don't know much about at all, and suddenly you're talking a lot about it? Suddenly you're an expert, and then you really become embarrassed, and you can't back off, and someone says, oh, really? And then you're like, oh, yeah, and then you just keep going. I've done that twice, a thousand times. One of the biggest arguments I ever had with a close uh, friend was over a movie that came out in the 90s called Waterworld, and it was a blow-up argument where we were shouting at each other, and I was talking with absolute certainty about how awful the movie is, and I hadn't seen it. And I still haven't seen it, and I won't. I'm not going to see it, let's be honest. I mean, when it came to uh, the pandemic, I often 
spoke with certainty about what how I possibly could not have known certainly anything about. In April 2020, if you had asked me, I would have told you, yeah, like give it a couple of weeks. This summer we'll be at sweaty packed musical music festivals. I'll be like crowd surfing face down over other people as they <laughs> shout up into my face. Trust me. You know, <laughs> Coughing without shame in public. It's going to be back by August. By August. Count on it. I speak with certainty often when I have zero certainty. Is it possible that we often talk about God with this kind of problem? We talk about God with certainty when really we don't have certainty. If I say that God is unchangeable or merciful or just, maybe you should be asking the question, how do you know that? Or are you certain about that? That's a question that that should, but rarely does come to my mind. How do you know that? Are you certain about that? I think it's it's really possible and likely that we we often talk about God with certainty that we don't have, or we speak with over-certainty. If we say... God is telling me to do this, or God is, is teaching me this, it's at least possible that we're speaking with more certainty than I have. So the question is, should we say anything about God at all? Do we need certainty to talk about God? Do you need to be certain about God to know God? And this is the tension that I want to address tonight by looking at another of God's attributes that's described in the Bible, which is this. Let's go to the side. It's a weirdo word, so I want you to actually like see it because I'll say it and you'll be like, I didn't get that. It's that God is incomprehensible. God is incomprehensible. And that's a big word, but it basically means that God is beyond full comprehension. Or when I say that God is incomprehensible, what I mean is that we are not able to fully or exhaustively, with 100% certainty, know God. Not know God the way that he knows himself. So I want to help us understand what this means by looking at, at two aspects of God being incomprehensible. One, God is unknowable. And two, God is knowable. God is unknowable and, uh, and God is knowable. So first... God is unknowable. What does that mean? First, it means that God is totally beyond us. According to the Bible, at least, God is totally beyond us. God is God, and you and I are not God. God is spirit, and so he is not like you and and I are, dependent on air and food and water and gravity. God is infinite and everywhere at once, and you and I struggle to be at meetings on time. God is eternal, and so he is without beginning or end. And you, most of you, were born kind of at the year 2000 or right before it or right after it. And some of us were born a little bit earlier than that. God is totally beyond you. It's not that God is just a little bit different than you. He is is far and infinitely bigger and better than we are. And just think about how big the, the known or detectable universe is. And we, th- we think that it, it's about 93 billion light years across, whatever that means. And that's only the known universe. But think about the entire universe that's out there is 
from God's perspective, just a speck of dust. And so Psalm 145.3 says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. You can never get to the end of who God is. You can never get to the very edge of his greatness. There's always more and more and more. God is totally beyond us. But when I say that God is unknowable, that also means that God cannot be fully known because if you knew God fully, then you would be God. To know God fully, you would have to be God. God's incomprehensibility is the fact that God cannot be fully, exhaustively, with 100% certainty known by us. Only he has that kind of knowledge of himself and really about anything. This is the basic meaning of Job 26.14. You can see there. We can go back to the scripture. Behold, these are but the outskirts of his ways. And how small a whisper do we hear of him. But the thunder of his power, who can understand? All that we know of God are just the outskirts. They're the fringes compared to the full, rich landscape of who God is and what he knows of himself. Anything we hear of God is just a whisper compared to his thunderous, full voice. We cannot know God the way that he knows himself. If you knew that, then you would be God. And because you aren't God, you don't have that kind of knowledge or certainty about God. You don't have that kind of certainty about anything. Only God gets to have that kind of certainty. Well, so what? Um, why does this matter? I think we, we know that there's a different kind of knowledge, just in terms, not even just in terms of quantity about our families, but in terms of quality of our families. You know more than your friends do about your family, but also your knowledge of your own family is just in a different category than your friend's knowledge of your family. So you can share stories about your family to your close friends, so you can share some knowledge You'd be kind of creeped out if your friends started acting like they knew your family the way you know your family. Like if you went home for summer break and one of your friends is already there. She's got her arms around your parents. And she's like, we doing family game night tonight? <laughs> be a little bit weirded out. And if your friend started telling stories about your family as though she had been there. Like remember that time that dad went and chaperoned a prom and wore a jean jacket? You're like, you weren't there. I was embarrassed by that, not you. I'm thinking about getting a jean jacket. Just thinking about it, so you know. Your knowledge of your family is not only more, it's an entirely different category. In a similar way, God's knowledge is not only of himself, is not just more than your knowledge, it's, it's an intimate, personal knowledge. He knows God because he is God. The summary, we can't have exhaustive knowledge because only God gets to have that. So how should we respond to this? How should we respond to God's unknowability? I think this should make us humble. It should lead to humility in our lives. And this is the attitude Paul is embracing in Romans eleven thirty four 34-35, where he's quoting from the Old Testament. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor, or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? We can't get inside of, of God's head and read his thoughts. There's nothing that we can give him. 
So God's incomprehensibility or God's unknowability should lead us to humility, which doesn't mean hating yourself. Sometimes when we talk about being humble, that means, oh, I'm such a worm. What it means here is that God lovingly gave you limits about what you can know. So humility means embracing what you don't and what you can't know. Embracing it. And this clearly involves recognizing that I can't just know God by being smart and through my own effort. So we should be careful about what we we say about God and ask, am I just going with my gut? Because I I think that I'm right most of the time. I think I'm pretty smart. So I'm just going to say what comes to mind. But this also means that we shouldn't equate knowing God with knowing some Bible trivia. God is not math. God is not a field of study like math or knitting or Orgeron trivia. He's not like that. This also, I think, means fully embracing that you don't have to be 100% certain about God to have a relationship with God. And in fact, again, you can't have that kind of certainty. What God wants is for you to come to him with your uncertainties and trust him. And this also means recognizing that, again, we, we can't really have total certainty about anything in life. I think there's a myth about college that it's the time where you have to figure out with certainty who you are and then where you're going and what you're going to do with your life. As if you could ever have 100% certainty about that. That becomes so frightening and exhausting to us. What if we reframed what college is about and actually considered it the time when we need to figure out the questions that we need to ask? What if college was more about carving out and figuring out what you don't know and embracing that, embracing the limits God has given you. But, okay, this should lead to humility. It should also lead to worship. God's unknowability should lead us to worship him. In Romans 11, Paul, the author, he's just finished this huge section about how God plans our salvation in eternity. So before he even makes the world, which is a huge stinking mystery. And what is Paul's response to this in 33 and 36? Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Paul sees the great mystery of God. How much he doesn't know. And it leads him to worship. It really means to adore God. To love God. I think we tend to think that the ways that we come to love God are through what we, we know, which is true, but also this is showing us that it's what we don't know. It's when we come to the point of seeing the great mystery that should lead us to grow in love for God because he's beyond us. He's so much bigger. Paul is saying, I can't get to the end of how wonderful and great God is. I mean, do you want to grow spiritually? This seems to be saying, yes, look for what you can know, but also aim for the mystery. An old, dusty theologian has said that mystery is the lifeblood of knowing God. So this is the first thing. Incomprehensibility means God is unknowable. We can't know him the way he knows himself. But second, God is knowable. God is knowable. I mean, if you already see a problem with what I'm saying, I want you to know I think I may be with you. So if you're thinking, okay, you're saying that God is incomprehensible, but how do you know that God is incomprehensible? And if that's what you're thinking, then can I just say, say less, fam, I think I'm with you. I got it. 
I wouldn't know anything about God. I wouldn't be able to say anything about God unless he's spoken. Unless he has spoken and made himself known. It's a full acknowledgement that by faith, by trust, this is what Christians believe. It's that God can be known because he has made himself known. And he has spoken to us in ways we can understand. God can be known because he has spoken to us in ways we can understand. The unknowable God has made himself known by speaking. And not in the language of angels, but in human language, with words. So you can see in Hebrews 1.1, the author says, Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. The author is, is referring to God using prophets in the Old Testament who were broken, regular people to speak his words. The unknowable, totally beyond God, has shown himself, the invisible God has shown himself through a book using human words. I think we should just think about how wild that is. I really love the the music of Bob Dylan, but a lot of his lyrics are so difficult to understand. They're hard to chew on. I don't see Bob Dylan anytime soon making a children's album that's really going to hit with my toddler. Let's think about what God is doing here, what God has done. God stoops down to speak to us like like a parent, simplifying language to connect with their child. This is what God has done for us. God baby talks to us through the Bible. And that doesn't mean that there aren't a lot of parts of the Bible that are difficult to understand. Yeah, there really are. But my point is that God stoops down in love to speak to us. The unknowable God makes himself known to us. And why would he do that? Because he wants to be near us. And he wants us to be near him. God has made himself near to us. So yeah, full knowledge of God is impossible, but God has given us true knowledge, what we need to know out of love for us, what we need to be close to him. I mean, for one, he has treated this entire world like a canvas painting with each stroke, making a portrait of himself. So everywhere we look in the world, we get glimpses of God. We get little tastes, the little fringes that tell us that there is a beautiful God who's beyond us. So this is what Romans 1, 19 through 20 is telling us. You look there where the author Paul says, For what can be known about God is plain to them being people because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. In the things that have been made, boon skies and mountains and comeback shack and birds through friendship, God has given us glimpses of his beyond beauty. So wherever we look, just look all around Boone. We are without excuse. God has made himself Known to us. God has made himself so near that you can't escape knowledge of him. But even more to the heart, you look at Hebrews 1 2, which tells us, But in these last days, God has spoken to us by his Son. God has made himself known through his Son, Jesus. The unknowable, invisible God 
took on a human body and lived in the first century in a small town called Bethlehem, a real town. God so wants to be near to us and for us to be near to him that he took on a body and shared and listened and told stories and he hugged and he laughed and he wept. God so wants to be near to us that he came near to us. He comes near to us so that we can see clearly more and more his beyond infinite beauty. Think about going on a hike at Rough Ridge, which is my kind of hike. It's you know, accessible. Some of you are really into like the super hike where you're walking five miles vertically entirely all the way up. And so you can get that kind of like swollen calf look, you know, <laughs> where you really accentuate the calf. Like you wear the like half ankle or like almost full ankle socks. So you can really accentuate the calf muscle. That's not really my kind of hike. More, again, like I've told you, I'm more of like a, a short and walk and frogert kind of guy. So if you want that, that's me. But I like, Rough Ridge is great because it's basically just a mile uh, hike up to the summit. You come near to it. And when you get there, when you get to the end, you don't just turn back. No, you, you, you make the climb. You come near so that you can see beyond. So you can see just how big and massive and how immersive the view is of these mountains. And so you can snap that magical Insta, you know, and make your friends at UNC Wilmington jelly. That kind of thing. <laughs> we, we go near so that we can see beyond and just how big and beautiful it all is. This is what God, in a similar way, wants for us. He wants us to come near to him so that he can show us just how much bigger and better he is than we ever could comprehend. And here the, the good news for those of you who aren't into the five-mile climb is that he doesn't make you climb. He comes to you. Freely by his grace and his kindness, he gives you the view. So again, why does this matter? Or what should your response be to God making himself known? I'd say first it's to open your eyes. Open your eyes. God has painted displays of himself all around you. Again, just look around Boone. Look up on a day like today, look up at the Boone sky and wonder at the God who is infinitely better and more beautiful than that beautiful sky. What kind of God could make this and be where this would only be a fringe pointing to the bigger landscape? But even like coming down out of the clouds, just look around you at the people that God has put into your life. Every good conversation, every listening ear, every like gut-wrenching laugh that is like authentic and leaves you exhausted. All of these things are gifts that God has given us. Little tastes of how wonderful he is. Just open your eyes. God has made himself known to you. Yes, God appears hidden in many ways, especially when we suffer. And yet even in a broken and a fractured and a hard world, God has given you these glimpses of his own beauty. So open your eyes. Then also listen to what he has said. Respond to God making himself known by listening to him and receiving his word. You can't know God fully 
But God has given you sufficient knowledge. God has told you everything you need to know about his power to rescue and transform you. God has told you everything you need to know about his mercy to forgive you, his love to heal you. God has told you all of these things. So listen to him. Receive what he has said. One of the things that God has told us is that when we suffer, when everything is chaotic and our, our lives don't really make sense, when we are uncertain about why, why something is happening or why I hurt the way that I hurt, that God tells us that he is near to you and eager to come alongside you when you hurt. God has told you these things. Do you want to know God? He has spoken. So listen to what he has said. Do you want to know God? Embrace and entrust yourself to his word because he fully knows and only he fully knows how to take care of you. What should we say about God? We should say what he says about himself. And more than anything, what should we say about God? We should say that he is the God revealed, made knowable through Jesus. Jesus came for people like you and like me who are very uncertain. And he came because he is certain. He came for you who are prideful and often like me act like we are more certain than we really are. And we have very little certainty. He came to die so that you would know real eternal life. He was raised so that you would forever know the incomprehensible God. And the more you know him, the nearer you get to him, the more you'll see how much bigger and better he is beyond our comprehension. Let's pray. Father, thank you uh, that we do not have to have certainty um, in a world that tells us that we have to be certain. You tell us to come to you with our uncertainties and to trust you because you are certain. And so I pray that we would do that. I pray that we would open our eyes to, to see you and that we would, um, and that we would open our hearts um, to hear you. Uh, thank you that you came for people that can't open our eyes or our hearts on our own, but you came to do this by your love. Uh, so we ask that you would do that uh, even now. Your name, amen.